Welcome to Connect Church. We're a new church in the East Windsor Heightstown area, and we're a church that is looking to connect to Jesus and community. We're so glad you've joined us. So today, we're kicking off a series called Who We Are, and it has been a long time since we've talked about the things um, that make up Connect Church and who we are. In fact, most of you probably weren't even part of our church at that point. They were way back to our online preview services where I sat in my backyard alone and watched myself talk. I'm thankful that season is over. But this is who we want to be as a church. And so from today moving forward, you'll hear the things that are key to us and matter to us. Um, and so again, today is kind of just the overarching vision of why we exist as a church. This is the thing that if you took Everything we did away, this is the thing that we hold most important to us. So, have you ever been devoted to something before? And I, what I mean by that is, like, your focus is so inclined on this one thing that you're, everything you do goes towards it. When I was a kid, all I wanted was to turn 17 to be able to buy my first car. And so, unlike most kids who, like, hung out and had fun all summer, I worked. And I worked construction with my family, which meant I was like up at 7 a.m. and worked till 5. And every Friday would be a payday. Um, and at the time, it was still cash. But I had this little envelope in my drawer. And every Friday, the money went in there. Most kids will spend it on video games and things like that. But I was so focused on being able to get the car that I wanted when I was able to that everything went to that. I put all my energy into it. The cool part was... When I turned 19, I was able to, but have you ever been devoted to something before where you want it so bad that that's all you can focus on? It consumes your energy, your thought, your finances. Today, we want to be a church that's devoted to each other, where that same drive of I want this so badly is about the people that we do life with here. We're selfless for the sake of others. We go above and beyond to show each other the love of God. And it, our preaching team pointed this out this week, and I think it's important that there's a contrast going on in the world that we live in and even within the church of individualism versus community. And, and as we walk through this message today, wrestle with that in your mind. Individualism versus community. Because our culture is telling us, do whatever you want. If you don't like something I say, don't come back. Um, watch somebody online, on YouTube. There are plenty of people who are better communicators than me. Go listen to them. And even as I say that, the goal isn't to come and hear me talk again. You have access to hundreds of preachers, thousands, who are more effective at it than me. But by being part of this, you're committing to the community here. Again, we live in a world of we choose what we want. One of the catchiest commercials of the summer has this idea in mind. Let's see if you can help me at. At BK, have it your way. There we go, right? And I don't know about you, but they changed it up now with football, and it's football's back. And then BK, have it your way. The song is catchy. I, the first month I sang it all the time. I couldn't help it. Culture tells us, have it your way. Do what you want. And if something comes against that or rubs the things that you just disappear, do something different. And this idea of community can be messy in a world of individualism. 
Again, at some point, I will probably say something that you might not agree with. What do we do in those moments? Forget about this. Like, when we do life together, some of us are going to hurt each other. And we're going to do things that upset us, or there's some friction. What do we do in those moments? Because the gospel speaks a lot about those moments clearly. And Jesus says that the way that the church works through those moments points to their love for each other, but more so it points to the love of God. That you can take a group of people that might have nothing in common outside of the gospel, but they commit their lives to each other. Our church longs to be a place of people who are devoted. Now what does that look like? We're going to take a look at Acts 2. It says this, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Here we read the foundation of the early church. On the day of Pentecost, they gather together in an upper room. A sound of rushing wind comes over them in tongues of fire. And in that moment, 3,000 people come to know Jesus. It's one of the most incredible moments of the early church. But it was just the beginning. From that moment forward, we get a picture of what it looks like for people to be living in community, obeying the Spirit, and filled in it and serving each other. They relied on the apostles to communicate to them who Jesus is and what they had done. They trusted in Jesus. They were devoted to his teachings. This word devoted in Greek, it means steadfast. And this word again means a single-minded train of thought, of obedience to a certain course of action. Everything about them was devoted to Jesus and to the people who were walking alongside of each other to try and understand more of who Jesus was. And they continued then in fellowship. Their love for Jesus moved them to care for the people that they were in a journey with. The Christian life is meant to be full of sharing with each other. What do we share? The same Jesus, the same scriptures, the same love for God, the same struggles, the same tensions, the same difficulties, but the same victories. And the same drive to live for him in all that we do. And the same joy of communicating the gospel. And then because of that, they broke bread together. It was important to them to share a meal. And again, this idea is different than our idea of sharing a meal. I don't know about you guys, but like meals stress me out at this point because I need to like one, get it done fast because I usually have somewhere to go, but I also have to make sure there's something that my daughter wants to eat, which if you have young kids, you know that's pretty much nothing, right? No matter what I make, she wants the opposite. And so I'll spend time making it. She points in the fridge and then she just wants a pouch. And I'm like, cool, all right. Meals meant something significant to them. A meal meant, hey, we're on the same page. We're the same. We're in this together. But more so that they wanted to have meals because it was driven around Jesus and what he'd done. 
An important part of their meals together was communion, of remembering what Jesus did. And the crazy thing is, they lived so close to the life of Jesus. And yet they still did everything around the idea of never forgetting what he did. And I think that's a challenging thought for us. And I'm reading a book right now, and it's really fascinating. It talks about community within church, and he made a point in it that has really stirred me. And it's that you could take Jesus out of a lot of the things we do as a church, and you wouldn't know the difference. We come together through sports, through hobbies, through interests, and, and those are good things. I'm not saying we have to get rid of all of them. But how many times is our conversation and what we talk about as a church centered on remembering what God has done and is doing in our life? One of my most enjoyable conversations that I have with a church member right now is um, we usually go through sports, all the fun things, and then he'll often ask, what are you wrestling with God right now? And we go through that together. This is the kind of community that was happening there. It wasn't just, hey, did you see that well over there? That's cool that we hung out there. Or, hey, that fish in that sea is a lot better than the other one. It was about Jesus. And everything they did was about remembering him. And so as they broke bread, they also celebrated communion as a way of saying, hey, this is why we're doing this. And from there, it stirred their heart to prayer. They prayed together. And through it, they saw the presence and the power of God show up. We know this because it says a deep sense of fear or awe came over them. And this isn't the idea of like, hey, I'm afraid of like the scarecrow. Or so. It's about reverence. This great thing of respect for who God was came because they saw him at work so powerfully among them. And I often wonder that, what would it look like if God was moving among us so much that it drew all of us to a place of respect and fear for God because we see him at work among us? One of the greatest works God can do is change the human heart towards him. When God moves, miracles happen, and they were watching this lived out in real time among them. Sometimes we make church so much about external things or whether I like it or I don't. Is it cool? Is it not? They realized it was about the power of the gospel at work in each other's lives. And that's what drew them together. They shared common life in Jesus. And I th I, this was interesting. I learned it this week. So with the influx of 3,000 new believers, we read this and we're like, they shared all their possessions, they sold everything, and we're like, that's a cool idea. I don't know that I want to do that, though, because I like my things. But it was more than that. The Jews had a tremendous custom of hospitality during a major feast. And so the fact that these people came from all over different areas and met Jesus, they didn't want to go home. They wanted to stay where they were. And so because of that, then they realized that it was their duty to help them. And, and so, like, sometimes we read this and an application is, like, give everything away, help people, and like, yeah, that is kind of it, but there's more going on here than that as well, too. We should be generous to each other. We should help each other, but again, there's more going on than there. Okay, the church lived, and they grew together, and I think that, again, this is important. I don't know about you, and, and even as I was preparing this, there's an instant tension in doing life with other people, and it's, I don't know about you, 
but I'm not looking at my schedule going, a lot of free time. Let's schedule in a lunch here, dinner there. Let's spend this whole day hanging out with them. Like, that would be perfect. I don't have much time. And so then, if that's the case, like, where does this fit? We see that it matters to the early church and that it was important and that they were willing to sacrifice all of these things for the sake of it, but like, how? And I think, again, it goes back to this idea of what matters to us most. What are you devoted to? In an age of individualism versus community, I often care about my own interests, about my own family, over the cause of what God is doing among all of us. We should share life together. And one of the things I want you to pray and wrestle with this week is what does it look like to do life with people? Because depending on your stage of life, it might look different. Depending on the amount of time that you have, like maybe you're retired and you have more time, what would it look like to do life with people? Maybe you're in the season I am with little kids and like there's not much time, but still, what would it look like to do life with other people? Pray about that, ask God and see what he says. They were single-minded in purpose. They modeled devotion to Christ and what that looked like in life change. Again, in a day where we pick and choose what we want to do, would we choose true community? Community where when we don't get it right, I know that these are my people. That they're doing their best to follow Jesus the way that I am, and I show them the grace that I hope is showed to me when I'm on the other end of it. Where we model love and grace to each other. The same grace that Christ shows us. So what does that look like? You may have heard this before. Connect to God, connect to Jesus, and connect to community. Connect to God. Again, this is a story of a church plant. They gathered around God's word. It was crucial. It was important to them. They were devoted to the teachings. Peter preaches, 3,000 get saved. And, and this is something I think that we've done in the current context of church, where we look at the person on stage to be the one who speaks and people come to know God. That's not what was happening here. This wasn't like they were gathered in church on Sunday morning in their Sunday best. The pastor spoke. This was just life lived. See, this idea of people coming to God can happen through you the same way that it can happen through me in the way that we live our life. You may never get the opportunity to preach in front of 3,000 people like Peter does here. But you may have the opportunity with a neighbor, with a friend, with a family member. Jesus is what brings us together. Again, the church is not a social club. It's not a workout club. It's not a New York Giants fan club. Not that anyone would be there anyway because they stink. But it's a place where being grounded in the gospel of Jesus, we come and we wrestle together. You look at Jesus' disciples and the people closest to him, they ranged in different politics, different socioeconomic background, different races, and yet they all came together to learn from this rabbi Jesus. And today, again, that's why we gather. Our church, again, is a place of unity, not uniformity. 
the, the more diverse and different our church looks, the more beautiful of a picture it is of the gospel working and moving in our lives because it shows the unifying power that the gospel has. Would this never be a place where the gospel is removed and nothing changes? Would this be, never be a place where we don't talk about Jesus and life continues on? Again, what brings us together, the gospel, is what Jesus did for us. And there's a level of humility that comes in living in community with that. We're all broken, but Jesus forgives. We're all made in the image of God with inherent purpose and value, and so we exist to bring that out of each other's lives. Growing our relationship with Jesus is the most important thing that we can do. Our church gains when you know more of who Jesus is. Our church is stronger when Jesus transforms your life. And not only that, again, it's also a corporate thing. We'll get to that. This idea of following Jesus isn't just my thing. It's, it's our thing. And it's often in community where people will call things out in our life and they'll speak to areas to help us grow. When given the chance to boil down faith and everything that we do, Jesus said, love the Lord your God. Again, would this be the most important thing to us? Would this be the marker that our church is known by? And so to do that, we have to grow in our knowledge of who Jesus is, study scripture, learn his story from Genesis to Revelation and all the things that he speaks to us. Read books, pray, get a mentor, be part of our pipeline here to help you grow. We need to make growing in our faith a priority because your growth matters to our church. The life-giving element of this church, again, is the transformation work of the gospel in our lives. The thing I'm learning more and more, it doesn't matter how talented you are. It doesn't matter the giftings that you have. It doesn't matter how much like influence you have. The thing that makes a church strongest is people who love Jesus coming together. Because if we can align on that, everything else will fall into place. Connect to Jesus. Again, what is an area in your life right now where maybe you just need to surrender or give to him to allow him to work and move? And then connect to community. This is the important part. Love God. But then Jesus says also love others. So, do life together. In an age of individualism, of what I want most, would we lay aside some of our preferences and wants and things that might be best for us for the sake of being part of community? And even within church community, that means, again, it's more than just attending on Sunday. You can miss a Sunday, but still be connected to community. This is something deeper than that. It's shared life and shared mission. Again, our mission as a church is to grow in our love for Jesus and to grow in our love for each other. And the core of Christian community is costly love. 
to commit to this costs me something. For me, from right now, it costs me time. And time is an important commodity to me. But it's worth it. Because often, and maybe you're in the season I am where it's like, all right, I'm hanging out with this person from church today. I have all these things I should be doing, and it's going on in my head the whole drive there, and I'm wrestling with it. Like, should I send the last-minute text? Like, got a sore throat. It might be COVID, you know? Like, that gave the easy out at this point. Like, no one wants to be around me, or do I show up and be present? And I'm wrestling with that the whole way there, and then I get there, and I laugh, and I, and I share some of what God is speaking to me, and I leave completely re-energized. And I leave completely reminded of the importance of community. Everything in me wants to do the opposite. Everything in me wants to just stay in my lane and do my own thing. But when we commit to community, there's life there. So how do we do this? Play games together, eat meals together, join connect groups, disciple somebody, make a commitment to being part of the life that is happening here in our church. Today is a reminder that there are ways to enter into this community. And my encouragement and my prayer would be, would it be more than just attending on a Sunday? Would it be committing to the community of what God is doing here? And again, people will hurt us. And we will hurt others. This is the messiness that we walk through. And even the church in Acts 2, which we look to and often glorify, and we're like, I want to be part of this church. It's so They had messes and things that happened in them too. And Ananias and Sapphira, they're part of the church. God kills them instantly. We're all still here, so like we're not that bad at least, right? Like we're still breathing. There's brokenness in every church. And, and in, in the current moment that we're in, we're very good at being critical of things. And I want to say, some of the critique is important and necessary. I think the church has been off in some areas, and they're being called into the light, and I think that's helpful. But I think sometimes we're just going too far. And we're looking for all the reasons to critique and be critical of things when it's really, I just need to commit to be part of this. This isn't going to be perfect. But I do believe wholeheartedly that it will be worth it. Share meals and take communion. If you've gone through our, our discipleship process at all, you know that we talk about the two ordinances of the church, baptism, communion, um, and, and we have, have kind of reframed the way that these things work. Communion has often become something that we do in church, and it's a very sacred moment, and I believe it is, and there are spaces for that. But if you read scripture, it was often just people around the table remembering what Jesus had done. And so even as you get meals with people in our church, grab the bread and juice and remember what, what it is that brought you together. Some of us, like, we don't have much in common outside of Jesus, but when we have a meal together, we remember and celebrate the thing that brings us together. Get a meal with somebody that you may not know well in the church. And when it starts to get slightly awkward because you're like, do you like sports? No. And they're like, do you like reading? No. And you're like, oh, no, we have nothing in common. Like, not touching politics. Like, that's not okay. So what do we, hey, let's take communion. Let's be reminded of why we're together. All right, now that we did that, okay, what's Jesus speaking to you? Where do you feel like he's grown you? Life together matters. 
And, and so much of the individualism that we face as a culture has impacted our faith, I think, in ways that are greater than we even realize. So many of us are, get off track. We read scripture through our own lens, and we might not realize that maybe it's off a little bit. Or we just have something going on in our lives that if we had community with somebody, they would say, hey, you're being a little critical of that person. Hey, those words are a little cutting. Community matters. The last part of it is prayer. They devoted themselves to prayer. And in his book, Praying for One Another, Gene Getz, he says this, and this quote kills me every time I hear it, but I think it's important. It says this, the hallmark of Western civilization has been rugged individualism. Because of our philosophy of life, we are used to the personal pronouns, I, my, me. We have not been thought to think in terms of we, our, and us. Consequently, we individualize many references to corporate experience in the New Testament, thus often emphasizing personal prayer. The facts are that more is said in the book of Acts and the epistles about corporate prayer, corporate learning of biblical truth, and corporate Christian maturity and growth than about the personal aspects of these Christian disciplines. Don't misunderstand. Both are intricately related. Again, connect to God. He needs to shape me and form me, but I need to be connected to community too. And if we're honest, and I think we get like the 30,000 foot look, we've gotten really good at the connect to God part. And very good at thinking through our lens of faith through my personal experience. But we have very much missed the community aspect of it. This is about us, not me. What happens here in our church is not about me. It's about us. This week I was listening to a message that was pretty interesting. The pastor was talking about church, and he was like, hey, the church I attend, he's like, if I wasn't the pastor, I wouldn't actually attend. It's not my preference, but, like, I sacrifice it for the sake of the community that I'm a part of. And I was like, that's a good point. Like, you know, there's a lot about this church, 3 p.m., and, and all the different things that, like, if I didn't have to be here, would I be? The answer is yes. Because the people here matter to me that much. That all of my personal preferences, I'm willing to set them aside to commit to this. To be part of this, to grow together, to learn. Connect Church is healthy when we are continually devoted to Jesus, his people, and to his work in the world. This church is healthiest when, as a community, we have connected to God and we are connected to each other. Would we live a life so devoted to Jesus and to this group that when people look at it, they can't help but see the love of God at work? So today as we close, maybe you're here, uh, and maybe you're wrestling with where you stand in terms of following Jesus today. I want to give you an opportunity to respond. The passage that we took a look at today, Peter spoke and preaches, and 3,000 people respond to Jesus. They join the community that we learn about today. And for those of you here, maybe watching online, there is no, like, type of behavior or anything that it takes to fit into our community. It's simply loving Jesus. And so today, maybe you've never made that decision before to decide, hey, I'm going to follow him. He is going to be the person that I allow disciple me and shape my life. And an opportunity is there for you. Jesus came so that we would be made whole. 
and that we would find forgiveness. And I often find that it's life in community where it reminds me how much I need Jesus. Because when I'm around people, I see the brokenness in my own life. I see my pride. I see my wanting to be right. All of these things come to the surface. And if I just live life on my own, I don't have to deal with them. But again, it's life and community where I see my need for Jesus. Today, following Jesus is a simple step that you can take. Wherever you're at, you can simply say, Jesus, today I trust in your death and your resurrection. I trust in the work that you did on the cross that forgives me, that makes me whole, that allows me to live a life free of shame and guilt and all of the mistakes that I've done. Today, if you feel like you need to hide from community because of maybe who you think you are, the things that you've done, Jesus meets you in that space. He's a God who doesn't care about the past and all of the things that you might hide. He knows you fully and he loves you completely despite it. That's the incredible thing about our God, that Jesus would come to this earth while we had nothing to offer him and he would offer his life so that we could know him and be known by him fully. What an incredible price our Savior paid for us and what incredible opportunity for us today that we can know that God. For those of us who do follow Jesus, Again, just some things to wrestle with this week. What does it look like to do life with people? What would it look like to commit to community? In what ways maybe is it time to rethink how I'm connecting to Jesus? Maybe it's time to add a new practice or something like that. Um, I say this, uh, uh, about a year ago, our staff went on a retreat of like how to know God. And, And my whole life I had just heard like, Read scripture, pray, read scripture, pray. Those are the two. Do all of them all the time. And and this guy put up a list of like a hundred different ways that you can know God. Silence, solitude, meditation, all of these different ways. And so for you today, maybe you're reading scripture and you're praying and you just kind of feel stuck or in a spot like you've been there for a while. Try something new. Go for a walk and pray. Take some time and just reflect on who God is. Would we make connecting to Jesus a priority and then community? And this is why this matters. If you read church history and you read about the way that the church grew within Rome, oftentimes it wasn't about how well they preached, but it was about the commitment that this group of people showed to each other where they knew the teachings of Jesus and they took them so seriously that it cost them everything. They cared for the widows and the orphans better than the Roman government did. And so you see letters among Roman officials like, hey, the church is doing better than us. We might rethink this. What would it look like if this was a space known for its love to that depth? Where people looked at us as a community And they're like, you know, I'm not sure where I stand about Jesus, but I know something is different there. There is a a sacrificial love among that group of people, and I want to try and figure out why. They lived in a way that gave power and authenticity to the things that they believed and said. 
Again, church isn't just about Sunday morning or afternoon, but it is about a group of people who share life together. The depth of our church happens around tables, not here. The depth of our church happens in in connect groups and moments where we are sharing who we really are with each other. Early Christians lived a radically different life than the culture around them. And we talked about this a little bit in in the series before this a lot, but like if people looked at our lives, are we any different than the world around us? What is it that matters to us? For the early church, again, it was the teachings of Jesus, meals together, prayer. What would it look like if those were the things that mattered to us most as a church? And for the next few weeks, we'll break them down a little bit and what that looks like, but would we love God with all that we have? But as we do, would that same love that we have for Jesus be alive among this community? Would we model this love to our kids as we parent them? As they throw a toy off your face and it doesn't feel great, we show them grace. Where we love our coworkers in a way where we genuinely care about them. They're not just a piece in a machine where they just crank out work to make our lives easier, but we genuinely love them because they're fellow image bearers. Would we be a church that meets the needs of those around us? And again, I had the conversation with Leslie from Rise this morning and it's stirring my heart. There are that many people in need in our town where they need to start rethinking who they serve and who they help. What an incredible opportunity, again, to model the love of Jesus. This is about something bigger than us just individually knowing God, but it's about us corporately living it out and not even just here, but to all of the places that we go. And through this series, would you take some time to pray and ask God what it might look like to take another step of commitment to Jesus, but also to the community here at our church? Maybe it's time to say, hey, I don't have much to offer, but like I can greet people when they come in. I can run the slides in the back. I can get on the floor and play with kids and let them know Jesus loves them. If that's a step you'd like to take, again, on the community or on the connect card, you can check join the team here and we'll reach out to you and help make that happen. Maybe none of that sounds appealing. But maybe you've lived a life and you know who God is. Would you commit maybe to discipling somebody in our church? Um, Pastor Dave has worked really hard at coming up with just a series of, of teachings and things that are important to us as a church to help you know who Jesus is. We spent the summer refilming them. They look beautiful. But it's a tool, again, for us to disciple and teach people who Jesus is. Maybe it's joining a connect group and they're on Zoom, so you can join from anywhere. Uh, For us, it's great because oftentimes we can like mute when the kids are going crazy or turn the camera off when they're going really nuts. We're trying to make it 
as simple as possible to connect to the community here. Because we believe that it's life with Jesus and in community where we live and we grow. And our prayer for you is that you would grow, that you would be more like Jesus. Oftentimes in, in our own independent life, it's so easy to get stagnant and it's so easy to stay the same, but it's life in community with Jesus where we grow. And so today, just in a moment to respond, um, this is what we're gonna do. I wanna invite you to stand. We're gonna close with a song, normally we have prayer. If you need prayer, join, grab one of us after service, we'll pray for you there. Um, I love this song. And I think it's an important commitment for us today as a church of why we exist and who we are. And so join us as we sing this. And would, be, would it be a prayer today of a commitment of what our church is all about? Thank you for joining us today. We hope this encourages you to take your next steps in your faith journey with God. You can check us out more on connectchurchnj.com. Have a great day.